Are you struggling to find your purpose in life? Do you feel like something is missing and you need some guidance? Do you often feel unfulfilled with what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to feel that way anymore. I'm here to help you through your journey in life to gain clarity, find purpose, and passion. My name is Jose Miguel Longo. I'm a gay Hispanic, a husband, dog daddy, advocate for social justice, and DEI ally for all LGBTQ+, a career and life coach and millennial born in 1983. I have spent my time since the age of 14 working my way around the world of work. I know my God-given talents are to help those around me to gain clarity in their lives while finding their passion and purpose. For the last decade, I've spent my time coaching college students and alums from all three generations, X, Y, and Z, and designing their career stories and mapping what they want to do in their lives. Whether it's gaining clarity in who you are and what you're meant to do, learning to build a resume or write a cover letter, holding you accountable and building your career journey, or designing your life, the podcast Coaching for Millennials is a how-to guide for all things career, life, and a sprinkle of everything in between. It is an all-inclusive space for meaningful conversations on topics happening in our world right now. It is a space for people to go on a holistic journey in uncovering their passion and purpose. I'm here for all generations, no matter what you identify as. If you're seeking to transition from a career industry or job to another, or ready to transform your life completely, I got you, boo. Whatever the fantasy you're trying to create, let me make it happen. If you're ready to start the journey to explore your passion and purpose, get focused on gaining clarity to transform you to a place that will fuel you, inspire you, and sprinkle some joy and laughter in between, it's time to dive into Coaching for Millennials. What's going on, Chit Chatters? Welcome to another episode of Coaching for Millennials. In today's show, I want to continue the theme around Pride Month and the LGBTQ community and talk about how to create a more inclusive workplace at work and specifically around um, inclusion in the LGBTQ community. I recently went and participated in a workplace certification program through the University of Southern Florida for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I learned so much from the people that spoke in this program. It was a seven-week-long certification, um, about 14 hours, and you know, I felt like I was already aware of a lot of things and not specifically just about LGBTQ because that wasn't one of the themes, but there was some conversation around it. It was more about how do you create a workplace that's inclusive, diverse, and equitable. And um, for me, there was so many things that I took away specifically around emotional intelligence, um, how to be more aware and understand stereotypes and look at microaggressions in the workplace. Uh, also, how to create a community that is inclusive, um, applying the, the ideas of emotional intelligence. So there, there was a lot that was wrapped into seven weeks, which I think they could have actually done 
14 weeks and made it an hour instead of two and a half hours because those videos were a lot to watch in two hours. I don't know that my brain actually took in all the information as best as it probably could, but I felt like I got a lot of information that was super helpful to continue to do the work that I enjoy doing, which is around LGBTQ as well as DE&I in the workplace. But for today's episode, I'm going to bring some contextual information to have this discussion with y'all about how to make your workplace more LGBTQ inclusive. And this is specifically for my, you know, even my queer people out there that listen to the podcast, but also for the folks who are allies and are part of the heterosexual or the straight community that feel like they may not see inclusivity towards their LGBTQ colleagues and coworkers. Um, in the workplace, and also just to have a conversation of creating awareness. So I want to first talk about a theme that was the very first thing in this workplace um, certification program, which was around emotional intelligence. And I feel that a lot of what we can talk about and what we can uncover in creating a space that's inclusive is surrounded behind the idea of emotional intelligence. And here's why. When you do research on emotional intelligence and you become emotionally aware, and I can speak to this because for two reasons. One, I got the information, I educated myself, and I have a certificate, but I'm also working on a certificate program specifically on emotional intelligence. And I'm not saying that I'm an expert any of these things. I feel like we're all lifelong learners when it comes to this when it comes to this kind of stuff and so I feel like I can speak to it because I've created an awareness for myself and I've educated myself so hear me out so when we talk about emotional intelligence um, there's four specific areas that emotional intelligence falls under that I think I think are helpful to anybody who's trying to create a more inclusive workspace. And I'll get into the LGBTQ pieces here in a moment. So looking at emotional intelligence, the first thing to be um, cognizant of is self-awareness. And this falls under a personal competency when it comes to self-awareness. Um, and by the way, you can pull resources on how to understand emotional intelligence. There's a link that I'll include in the show notes that's from a site called positivepsychology.com. And there's a lot of information that I like to use in conversations with my clients and with talking to people about resources and information. I am a lifelong learner. learner. Learner is one of my strengths. And so I'm always going to learn and share information with people. So I will share the link to that in the show notes. So self-awareness is a compilation of a couple of different things. You are recognizing behaviors and patterns. You're paying attention to your own emotional state and how you see things and how you perceive things. So sometimes if we're really emotional people, I am one of those people, we tend to you know, think with our heart and not with our heads, or we tend to like side on maybe not being so cognizant of where our emotional awareness is in the moment of things. This is being, this requires, I should say, having a little bit more critical thinking, okay? So having the self-awareness 
<coughs> excuse me, also means that you need to imply self-confidence and being able to understand your behavior. Um, the second competency to look for is social social awareness. And this social awareness is not just personal, but I think it's also in a social context. The reason I see that is because we live in this world where we're glued to our phones. I am one of those people in different ways, right? We're glued to our phones. Sorry, taking a sip of my cold brew. And our social interactions are not always in person. And so I think we have to apply our self-awareness of our personal competencies related to that recognition of self-awareness into the social awareness because it's not always in the place of a physical space. You're not always in front of people where you can read the room and read people's body language. So I think social awareness carries through into other areas that are not just in a um, a physical space. But in context to emotional intelligence, um, social awareness is really being able to hear what other people are really saying. That is at the root of what social awareness is really talking about. And when we relate that to creating a more inclusive workplace, you have to listen to others to be able to like accept and understand and hear their point of view and their perspective to then be able to acknowledge the space that they're in. You want to be able to give people the space so that you can get space back. So these are two of four, okay? So the self-awareness is a personal competency and then the social awareness, I think, is both personal and social. Now, on the other side of the coin is self-management, which is a personal competency as well. However, there's a difference between how you identify it. So when we talk about self-management, linking it to uh, emotional intelligence, we're talking about how to understand and be aware of your values and knowing Okay, knowing that not everyone has the same as you. Okay, this could be specific to someone who may perhaps feel that someone who is part of the LGBTQ community is not someone that they can be friends with because of their religious beliefs or because of their personal values related to how their upbringing was or their political values. So when we talk about self-management, you have to keep in line your emotional awareness of how people think and how people are and understand that your values aren't always going to be the same as somebody else. You also need to check your emotions at the door. Um, it's really important that if you're trying to create an inclusive space that people take themselves out of the equation to give the people who you're trying to create the space for, and in this case, we're talking about LGBTQ community, the space to be able to share what they need to be able to feel welcomed and like they belong. So here's an interesting example, and this is my personal opinion, and I think it's a really strong opinion. 
I work in a workplace that I don't feel that is very inclusive to the LGBTQ community. And the reason I say that is because there aren't people that look like me. And I don't think that it's enough for someone to plaster emails to try and act like there's inclusion when there's no work being done to represent that community. There isn't conversations that are had about how my community is marginalized where I work or how my community is being represented. The people that I work with and the people that I work for are a, I should say, a population of people who ultimately just think that because they read an article or because they see something they think is appropriate to share, that that's how they're being inclusive to the LGBTQ community. And there's also this notion that like just because it's June and it's Pride Month, that you only do this in June. There's not this continuous um, evolution of how to create this inclusive space for this community continuously throughout the rest of the 11 months of the year. And so it's just disturbing for me when you know that you're an ally to any other community on at the workplace, in the workplace, but when you feel, I just feel like it's an insult to just constantly get a barrage of notifications about all the things that are specific to other workplace organizations. For example, an announcement about how there's a networking um, event happening in a couple of weeks that's LGBTQ friendly, but it's not specific to my actual workplace. Do you see how that's a little bit, um, I guess degrading and insulting is probably the way I would describe it. Again, my personal opinions and how I feel about it, I it's just not very welcoming. It's not a welcoming community. And I think that if there's anything that I've learned um, is how do you create the awareness around this? How do you create the space to be able to bring the people in to have the conversations? Now, on the flip side of this, I don't have the strong relationships which lead to the next piece. I've, I feel like I'm an influential voice where I work and people respect me and people know who I am and I'm out at work um, and I'm proudly out and I'll talk more about being out at work in a second. But I don't have the relationships with the individuals and the folks who are doing this, who, who are actually responsible for trying to create this community of belonging and this space of belonging. These people don't ever include members of the LGBTQ community and other members of other communities. It's not just LGBT. I think it's any other type of um, space when there needs to be recognition and acknowledgement of these individuals that are marginalized groups or part of marginalized groups. So relationship management is really important. Um, it's hard to educate people who don't want to be educated. If you go into a conversation with self-awareness, with social awareness, and that self-management to really check your emotions at the door, and you're there to be in a space to learn from others and hear others out, and you're not feeling and not getting that appropriate body language from those folks on them really actually being receptive to how they can work and partner with you to really carry the torch to make some inclusivity, that's like a hit in the heart with a dagger. And you struggle to try to find a space or people who you know are going to be your allies. So this is my personal story and what I'm dealing with and how I've been impacted by it. I've never fully wholeheartedly felt that where I work 
has been oh has been so receptive and open to the LGBTQ community. I also oversee some of programming that is specific to student related for LGBTQ plus. So I feel like I always create a space for my population of people that I work with in my organizations and in my clubs that is inclusive so that people have the space and I give them the space and make them feel like they belong as a as an as an administrator and as a person that work that work I don't feel that for myself so I know that I have to, in order for me to change that I have to come to the table to be able to understand the other side of a conversation but it's also hard when you know these people clearly are struggling with their own um, biases related to it and their own opinions and not willing to come to the table to learn and hear what actually could be done and should be done to create a more inclusive workspace. So when we talk about relationship management, it's being able to understand that you may be in a space of conflict and how to manage the conflict effectively, being able to understand the sensitivity around topics or issues that need to be discussed. So you need to bring into the table some empathy to the conversation for who's being impacted and who is the person that, um, or who are the groups of people that are impacted. So we talked about self-awareness, we talked about social awareness, we talked about self-management, and we talked about relationship management. So I know that's a lot to dive into when it comes to emotional intelligence, but I think it's really important to map that out for y'all so that you can understand where my top five are coming from as it relates to try to. And again, you know, you can Google a lots of resources. These are just some quick five tips that I came up with. I felt really frustrated over what I've been experiencing for the last couple of weeks. And I felt like I wanted to share about it. I went through an amazing, um, how should I say this? I'm trying to be so vague about what I'm sharing, but it's really hard to share whole, wholeheartedly. So Earlier this month, I participated in a system-wide Pride event, which I've always felt inclusive to that. But in my specific workspace, I don't feel the inclusion. I will leave that like that, and I won't mention it again, um, because I feel like I know that I will get backlash for this, but ultimately it's my opinion and it's my platform, and... The reason I'm doing this whole episode is specifically so that if people who if there are people who do hear this and recognize that there are issues with their workplaces, that they may want to find people that can help them make it more inclusive. So it's a learning opportunity, I think, in my in in that I'm trying to create. And I'm also sharing the information that I know so that it's more helpful for others. There's nothing worse than working someplace where you don't feel like you can be yourself or you don't feel like you belong. And I think that inclusion is probably the hardest part of the DEI. The DEI meaning the diversity, the equity, and the inclusion. Because people, you can have a room of people that all look different and that's diversity. But when you don't, allow the people to be feeling welcome into the space and into the community, that's exclusion. And that is where 
people leave organizations and people leave workplaces because they don't feel like they belong there. They don't see people that look like them. They don't have people that are allies. They don't have people that actually listen. That makes it hard for someone to want to be present and to be in a space where they're constantly not feeling like they're, they should be there. Um, and then the equity is a lot, it's hard, but I feel like there's so much more consciousness that comes comes in with equity. But I digress. So let's, let's jump into my top five um, ways to create a more um, inclusive workspace for LGBTQ folks. So number one is self-awareness. So we already talked about self-awareness in the conversation about what emotional intelligence means. And that was the whole reason why I shared my whole... Um, tangent about emotional intelligence is because I think it's super, super important for people who are trying to be leaders in the space of creating inclusion to have emotional intelligence, to have social and self-awareness. So with self-awareness, here's the things you need to be looking out for when it comes to creating an, a workplace that's more LGBTQ inclusive. You want to avoid making assumptions about your coworkers and their gender and their sexuality. And an example of this is that I'll use myself. I don't present as a gay person because I'm not very feminine. I'm not, I don't like do things that may present as gay. And I think that to go back to the beginning of this is that avoiding any stereotypes or biases you have of what you think a person from the LGBTQ community LGBTQ community looks like. It's so hard in today's world to make all these assumptions without having a clear understanding or a clearer picture of who someone is. Someone from the LGBTQ community can identify in so many ways. And I think the biggest thing is that we have these labels so that people can find the space where they belong. But sometimes the labels are used against people when people don't really understand what they mean. And the labels are intended to create identity. They're intended for someone who feels like a misfit or feels out of place to feel like their identity is inclusive or relatable to something else. And sometimes for someone in the LGBTQ community, it can take years for them to find a place where they feel like they belong. There's nothing worse than being in a workplace where you spend so much of your time not feeling like you can belong and like you're trying to always struggle to fit in. Um, I've worked at places like that. This environment that I'm in now, I don't feel so much about that because I'm a lot older and I feel like I have a community outside of work and I have my own LGBTQ friendly group of colleagues, but I've been in workplaces where it wasn't receptive and it was very taboo and you didn't talk about it and no one wanted to talk about it. I think we've come a long ways in the last 10 years since I had that experience as a society where I feel like I feel and hear more conversations around LGBTQ in the workplace. And the reason being is because we're trying to create these communities of inclusion. We're trying to create these spaces where people can feel welcomed. We have allyship. We have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We have different pockets of groups 
that are representative of these different communities. Um, so the other piece to be conscious about when it comes to the self-awareness is that let people share when they're ready to share, even if you have all of these assumptions. Now, I don't ever think that it's okay to go up to somebody and ask them that it's gay. If they're gay, sorry. I have had people ask me that, and I have never known how to respond. And I know a lot of people that are like, that's none of your business. And I feel like that's not an educational moment. But I think everyone has different perceptions of how they want to run, would want to respond to that. I've told people directly when I've been asked that question because I want it to be an educational moment. I'm not trying to be your, your um, what did you call that? Queer, I don't know, your queer BFF, I guess is the best word. I Back in the day, we used to call them fag hags, so I'm not trying to be someone else's fag hag. But I... I feel like it's an educational opportunity for someone to understand that it's not okay to walk up to someone and ask them which per, which member of the LGBTQ community they are because maybe they look a certain way or they sound a certain way or they dress a certain way. It's just not okay. Give people the space to do when they feel comfortable to doing. And coming out at work is <laughs> so damn fucking hard. Um, I made a conscious decision for myself after working in a place where I didn't feel like myself, I loved what I did, but just my identity was lost. And I didn't had never realized that about myself. And this was after just maybe two or three years of coming out, out of the closet as a whole. So my coming out as a person, as a, as a queer gay man, was very different than coming out at work. I made the decision for myself to not want to feel like I couldn't be myself because of who I am. I had to hide my personality. I had to hide um, this persona. I kind of like was an alter ego. The person who I had been for so long in the closet was the person that I was at work. And I didn't have a lot of friends. Sorry, I'm drinking my coffee. I didn't have a lot of friends in the workplace that I felt like I trusted or I can share that with. And it wasn't until later that I did. And you can learn more about that particular experience in my episode last week where I talk about pride and being part of the LGBTQ community and the identity. But the point of this part of self-awareness is really giving people the space to share when they're ready to share their coming out. And if you really want to be... Um, someone who's inclusive to the LGBTQ community in your workplace, you should talk with your HR office about creating um, perhaps a affinity group. That was the word I was looking for before. Sorry, it just came to my head. So an affinity group, which is kind of like a club for, it's like a color club, um, which is kind of like a group that is inclusive to the organization and it has... Um, folks and from the organization that support it and it has sometimes funding to do activities and programs that will make it feel people make people feel welcome I've been part I've been part of quite a few affinity groups um, I've been part of the faculty and staff affinity group of color 
Um, I've been part of the LGBTQ affinity group. So it's not something that's hard to do, especially um, if your workplace is open to those types of things and they don't have one. We know that more and more organizations, companies, and businesses today are doing the DEI work and want to do the DEI work. You can't just say that you're inclusive and you have you you value diversity but not do the work, which is a perfect example of where I work right now. Um, and I think that you have to have those open conversations again to be able to have the people who are part of these communities that are marginalized so that you are more aware. And so if you do want to create a space for your uh, workplace, contact your human resources department, let them know that you recognize that there's a void and you feel like that this would be an opportunity for the organization to be more inclusive to marginalized groups. And maybe you can, you know, instead of calling it just LGBTQ, you can call it um, straight gay allies or straight, or you can say allies for LGBTQ. Um, Think of creative ways and Google. Like there's so many, there's so many resources and information out there to really help people do this work. I can't say that enough. I went through a certification program, by the way, which was free. Okay, this was through the Southern University of Florida, um, and it was a free certification program. I feel like if people are really wanting to roll up their sleeves and do the work behind this. That you can find the resources to do it, and free ones, because this was a certification program that was um, that had over ninety thousand participants. So. It was a huge, huge program. Now, number two, okay? So number two is educate yourself, which is what we've been talking about consistently anyways, but I feel like it's important to mention. And the reason I say educate yourself is because a lot of times the moment someone shares that they are part of the LGBTQ community, let's just say they share that they're gay people will automatically assume that they're supposed to be someone else's encyclopedia because they want to know every goddamn thing under the sun about being gay. And I I think that we see that less and less, but I still see it often. And I think it comes back to recognizing how other people's values and perceptions and where they come from and how they live and who they are are not always going to be the same as yours. And so you want to give that person the space to learn, but I think you also need to have them learn on their own and then come back and say, do you agree with this? Have a conversation that's more meaningful rather than the person who is part of the community having to spill their beans about every single damn detail that they don't really want to talk about. Because ultimately now you just created a space where you're almost attacking the person, not really talking with the person. You're not really being an ally. You're actually being like a drill sergeant. Um, and that's not fun because you all you want to do is feel like you're part of like everybody else, not singled out because you have a different um, identity and a different sexual identity. And there's another piece to this educating yourself that I think is really important to um, understand is that if you really want to be a true ally, don't go asking questions that are specific to someone's um, sexual preferences or 
or the sex of what they do in those things. I think that some of those conversations might be appropriate outside of work, but not at work. I think that there needs to be a level of professionalism. However, if the person's giving you the space to have those open conversations, then it's really up to you and that person to have them. But don't expect that person to always feel like they want to share. I know it's really taboo to talk about those types of things, but I think that if we're trying to educate people, if you're coming to the table with the questions, I think people are more receptive to provide you with answers. But you have to be prepared in what you actually did your homework on <laughs> so that the person's more willing to share the answers to those questions. Um, on the flip side of that, which is number three, don't be afraid to make mistakes and ask questions. And the reason is because I, for one, me personally, I'm always open to having conversations with anybody if I can help educate someone in any way. And sometimes, I'll be quite honest, I don't know all the answers. I don't always think I know the answers. And I'm always going to say to someone, you know what, I'm not really sure about that. Let me look into it and I'll get back to you. I'd rather tell someone I don't know than misinform them. But I also think it's important that... We, as part of the LGBTQ community, individuals, folks, are willing to want to help others in educating themselves. I want people to ask me questions. I don't want people to be afraid to ask the questions because I want people to not feel like just because we are not... I guess we're different because we're not the same. And I know that sounds really fucking weird. But I also feel like we're not that different. And I think society has created this really messed up perception of who LGBTQ people are. Because we've labeled people, like we don't go talking about heterosexuals every single day of our lives. We don't go talking about someone's who's cisgender and all these other things that are labeled for how we identify people. And I think that because we've created these labels and we've created all of these different identities in society, I'm not saying that it's bad. I just think that it makes things complicated to be able to create these spaces where people who may not have the same values as you or somebody else to really truly understand how to give space for someone. I hope that makes sense. But I I don't want to, I want to create, for me, I feel like LGBTQ folks always want to welcome people to be part of our community, no matter who you are and what you are. And I think that we just want to be loved, we want to be seen, we want to be heard. We don't want to be excluded, we want to be treated like everybody else. So just because I like, I love men doesn't mean that I want to be treated any different than my colleague who is a guy, who's a male, and likes women. Like, that's really the biggest thing. And it's the thing that a lot of, it's the thing that Pride is about too, this month is really recognizing the hard work that was done by the people that came before us. And I've talked about this in the podcast last week, but I can't go without mentioning it because there's still so much work to do in the space of creating an inclusive workplace 
not just for the LGBTQ community, but for also people of color. So moving on to um, number four, I want to talk about pronouns and preferred names. And as an educator, I feel like this is really, really important. But also as a member of the queer community, I feel like it's really important. Reason being is that it's important to recognize how we feel and who we are and how we identify. And I think that for the LGBTQ community, that is more prevalent to anybody who is a heterosexual because there's not a label to your gender or your sexual orientation. Now, to go deeper into that, a pronoun doesn't always mean that someone... um, has a different way of being viewed or being seen. I think a pronoun provides uh, someone who may be transgender or gender fluid with an ability to share more of who their identity is and not feel like they are so... How do I word this? How they're... Not feel like they're so, like, detached from the rest of the world. So, for example, I have a couple of friends who identify as trans, and their pronouns are going to be different based on the pronouns that they may have identified with their previous um, name and sexual identity. So, if someone was born... A male, and I don't want to make this assumption for anybody, so I'm just using this as an example. If someone was born male, but they decide to transition to wanting to be female, they may use the pronoun they, and they may use the pronoun her and hers, or she and her, and they. Or they may just say they and not use any of the other ones. Like, it becomes confusing in so many ways, but the most important thing is you recognize <clears throat> that the person has a preferred name. So the, some people who are part of the trans community may have like what's called um, their their birth name, which then becomes their dead name, if that's correct. And then they have their preferred name, which is their current name now after they've transitioned. Now, I know there's a lot of nuance behind that, and I made that very vaguely. However, I think it's important to highlight that we all use our pronouns and preferred names because we want people to call us how we want to be called. That is the most important thing. So my name is Jose Miguel Longo. When I tell people my name, I say Jose Miguel. And some people look at me like I have 10 heads. Yes, I have two first names and I don't have a middle name. However, I know that people may struggle to say my name because believe me, it still happens. And people struggle to spell my name because believe me, that happens too. So I will say to people, if you can say it, then you can probably write it because it sounds just like how you say it. However, it's not an H, it's a J. So I always have to clarify that for people. But my pronouns are he, him, they. And I say that because I still identify as gay, queer. I don't feel like I'm just gay, but 90% of the time I am. And I say queer. And here's another thing that's really interesting. To say queer today is 
more normal than to say queer 15, 20 years ago. Queer was a derogatory term used towards the, the gay folks in the community because it was such a, um, I guess, just a derogatory term, but the way it was associated. It's been owned differently now by individuals in the LGBTQ community because someone may feel like that's just who they are, like their queerness. And for me, I don't specifically always... Like, I'm not bi, but I'm not 100% just gay. I think for me, it's more about love and people and humans and what that looks like. So I'm queer because that's who I am and that's how I identify. But... I am a gay male because I I am gay and I love men and that's who I prefer to be with. And that's my, not just preference, it's just who I am. It's part of my identity. It's part of my DNA. I know there's a lot of arguments about that. And I think that's also another weird question to ask people is, do you think that people are born gay? Like people still think that and people still think that it's a preference, which is really interesting. Because there's so much, there's so much heartache that comes with being a member of the LGBTQ community, that everyone's coming out and everyone rec- recognizing and owning and acknowledging who they are and their identity is so hard because you don't have this whole space of acceptance. So I couldn't imagine that anybody would ever feel like if you don't understand that, you need to educate yourself. Now I welcome the questions. Because that's what I'm here for. I'm all about having the conversations. But people who really think that way and really don't believe that people are born gay need to do their homework and need to really educate themselves. I'm here for the conversations all day long. But seriously, folks, it's 2021 and we got to really be really more open and really more understanding and really educating ourselves like. There's so many different media outlets out there, honestly. And not talking about television media. I'm talking about educational media. So, and that's not, and what I mean by that is not Facebook um, or Twitter or any of those social media platforms. I'm just talking about like education, like journals, articles, scientific research, those types of things. So, I digress. So, with the pronouns and um, the preferred names, I think that it's always important to ask someone what are their pronouns, give them the space to share that, and no matter who someone is, whether you may think that someone is gay, lesbian, or straight, or gay, lesbian, or bi, or trans, I just ask, just and and just say, hey, by by just kind of curiosity, what are your pronouns, um, and what's your preferred name? Do you have a preferred name? Because some people go by the name Robert, but they prefer to be called Bob. Um, it's just an example that came out of my head. Some people are called Mike and they prefer it to be called Mike. Uh, they're called Michael and they prefer it to be called Mike. Right? My name's Jose Miguel. I prefer to be called Jose Miguel, but you can call me Jose. I responded to anything before and have been called worse. So either way, it's all good. So finally, number five, um, show up and be an ally. And I've I've talked about this throughout the whole entire episode as a whole but community is so important to the lgbtq population and to lgbtq people 
Reason being is because when you think about pride and you think about everything that's happened, the places that you we go to to look for a community, like I have my community online, I have my community of friends, I have my community that I share um, in different forums and different spaces. And I think that for the workplace, it's probably the most important place where you can create a community. And there's so many different things that I think that having an LGBTQ community is important too. And this is not of my own um, information and resources. My good friend, um, Dr. Steve Iacovelli, who's also known as the Gay Leadership Dude, he is the author of Pride Leadership, and he actually was on the podcast last year during season one, if you want to go back to the episode. But his book and his research... Um, is specific to how to be inclusive and how to have uh, be inclusive with pride for LGBTQ. But I think it goes beyond just the LGBTQ community. I think it just is in general can be applied to any form of equity and inclusion and diversity. So when we talk about creating a community, there are six specific spaces and areas that I think to me, stand out based on Steve, Dr. Iacovelli's research. It's authenticity. So you want to be able to show up wholeheartedly in the space and be your true self and also be open to saying that sometimes you don't know what you're talking about and so you want to ask questions. And if you say something wrong, apologize and say that it was never your intention if you caused any hurt or pain or conflict. Um, So that's what authenticity is really about being true and being authentic and being showing up kind of like how I show up on the podcast. Like there's no really editing that's happening in the podcast. Very seldomly, unless I have a brain fart and I forget my thought and I leave a big, huge air gap in between my first and second sentence. But 90% of the time I don't edit because I want to be authentic and I want to show up as you. And if you hear sounds, if you hear my dogs barking, you hear something going on, it's going to come out of the podcast. And I think my personality shows up here on the show. This podcast may not be for everybody. It's certainly for a specific population of people, and hopefully it's millennials. But if it's not, and you're somebody else that doesn't identify as that, great, I'm here for you. Thanks for showing up, and I appreciate your support. Um, courage. Number two is courage. So courage is something that we talk about all the time on the podcast. And I think that courage is something you need no matter what you're doing in the workplace. You need to stand up for other people. You need to show up for other people. And that takes courage. If you know something is wrong and you truly feel like you're supposed to be an ally to people, show up for them. Be there when they need you and be there to stand up against inequities, against um, marginalization, against biases, against microaggressions. Showing up for people is one of the most important parts to being a leader, but it's also one of the most important parts to being someone who is wanting to create a space and a community. Empathy. Now, we all know that 2020 has been a dumpster fire of a year and 2021 is looking much, much better. And as we continue to adopt to a new normal and a new sense of what normalcy was before 2020, I still think that 
are we're coming out of this as humans more empathetic but i think we can adapt that to a lot of different facets that are interwoven into our lives and having empathy for others for where they are is part of that self-awareness it's part of that social awareness and it's part of being able to build relationships with people and giving people their space i think that if you're trying to be a leader who is specifically wanting to be a leader for the LGBTQ community, authenticity, courage, and empathy are probably the top three most important things. Now, let's not forget there's three other ones, and I think that they're all just as important. However, they all have different you know, scales of where their values of importance come into play. Number four is communication. I think communication is such an essential part of every day's workplace and everything people do. And if you don't have communication, things fall apart. And that goes back to authenticity and courage. If you're trying to show up for people and you're really trying to be a leader for creating an inclusive workspace, you have to communicate. And sometimes communication can be really hard. Sometimes you have to check yourself at the door because your emotions are tied up with your communication and you really need to be (laughs) self-aware and cognizant of how you're going to share information. But communication is key. Now, relationships. We talked about relationship management earlier and we talked about self-management as well. But you want to create lasting relationships for people so know that you're there for them and you have space for them. Um, I have the safe space sticker on my door in my office and I love to show and demonstrate that I am an ally just as much as I am a member of the community. And for me, it goes beyond just the context of being there and having an open space and a safe space, it's about hearing people's stories and knowing that they need to be heard and everyone has a different story. And it, and when we started this podcast, that's what the podcast is and that's what the podcast is about. It's sharing other people's stories, no matter what they are, um, which I think is so important. And the last one is culture. Culture is one of those things that everyone has a culture that they're attached to. I am a Latino and my roots of being Latin, um, specifically Caribbean Dominican, are strong. They're strong. And I may not speak Spanish all the time, but when I do, watch out because you may not understand what I'm saying. However, I think that there's another part of me in my culture as a gay man that is just just as important if not more important than my hispanic culture and my hispanic identity and i think that when you want to create inclusion you have to mesh together create this perfect mashup of different people's culture so their personality and their identity come out i think it's so important to really recognize the space of who people are and where people, what people want and where people, what people do and who their specific identities are made up of and where they come from. And, you know, I think that the marginalization of black people of color or black and brown people of color and indigenous people of color and, you know, just people of color in general that are part of the LGBTQ community is 
so seen much more because of the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, it was always there, but now it's, like, right in our faces because it's a part of our day-to-day operation. And I think with the remnants of what's been happening since early 2020 and continuing on with what, yeah, I would say this, it's been happening since 2013, 2012. However, it's just more in our face now and we're, we're tracking it a lot more than we used to. But I think that when you're trying to create these spaces, you need leaders that are are going to create a culture, that are going to create a safe space, and you need people that are going to show up authentically, that are going to be courageous and be empathetic. That is really all of that together. So to kind of close out this episode, I've been babbling here for the last hour, let's recap our top five um, things to do so that you can make your workplace more LGBT inclu- LGBTQ inclusive. So the first thing is having self-awareness and social awareness. Number two is educating yourself. Number three is don't be afraid to make mistakes and ask questions. Number four is show up and be an ally to create that community. I'm sorry, number four is pronouns and preferred names. Um, Number five is show up and to be an ally and create an LGBTQ community. And I I summarized all that by sharing my friend Steve um, Iacovelli, Dr. Iacovelli, the gay leadership dude, aka gay leadership dude. um, His motto and his theory and his process for pride leadership. And I think that if anybody is wanting to create a more inclusive LGBTQ workspace, you should check out his book. You can find it on Amazon. I will link it to um, the episode show notes. Um, And you can also check him out. He's got amazing content. He's got a great course that I think everyone who is wanting to be a more inclusive leader should check out. And it also helps people who are trying to create space for LGBTQ people. So having said all that, I want to say thank you so much for showing up again every single week to a new episode and some content. Happy Pride Month. I will continue to celebrate this month because the older I get, the more meaningful it becomes for me and the more I am so proud of being gay and being a person of color and being in a marginalized group because I feel like my culture, my identity have been given a voice to be present. And I want to be able to create a space where other LGBTQ folks and youth can feel welcomed and I want them to learn and hear from my experiences because that's how we learn from each other and showing up and being able to be courageous to share stories is how we learn and how we grow. So having said all that, have an amazing week, folks. I can't wait to the next one and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Chit Chatter. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to share it with the world. We welcome everyone for listening. And if you'd like, please go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Those reviews mean everything to me and they help the show grow, as well as for me to know what topics you want to hear from next. Be sure to go visit to coachingwithjoseamiguel.com or Coaching for Millennials for more up-to-date content, newsletters, blogs, information about coaching for life and career. Thank you so much for being a part of our magical world and for being part of this program. I can't wait to the next episode.